If you are in your 20s hoping there is more to life than boys and Bacardi, you are in the right place. Katie Ballmer has been a keynote speaker to over 60 colleges nationwide, encouraging 20-somethings to realize their worth, find their calling, and not date dirtbags. But seriously, Katie is an author, viral TikTok creator, wife, mom of two girls, and your adopted aunt that you never knew how bad you needed. Ready to have some real conversation tackling the hottest topics? This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. When I posted to social what you guys wanted covered more here on the Truth For Your 20s podcast, several of you mentioned a relationship with your parents as you become an adult. And I can think of no one to unpack this subject better than my personal hero, Sandra Stanley. Sandra and her husband, Ainley, co-wrote a new book on parenting. And if you have been around here for more than a minute, you have probably heard me quote Andy at least a time or two. He is what I believe one of the best communicators of our day. Founder of Atlanta-based North Point Ministries, consisting of a network of 180 churches around the globe that collectively serve over 200,000 people per week. An author of a book that I recommend almost daily, The New Rules of Sex, Love, and Dating. His beautiful wife, Sandra, went to Georgia Tech and then went on to get her Master's of Arts from Dallas Theological Seminary. Sandra has a heart for foster kids and foster families, as she and Anley have been foster parents since 2010. Together, they have raised three of their own biological children and just wrote a book called Parenting, Getting It Right. Welcome to the podcast, Sandra. Oh, Katie, thank you so much. Thanks yes, for having me, me too. Well, I, I read the book. I love it. I love that you are talking about this subject of parenting because people have all of their opinions and it's become like, oh, well, you just do what floats your boat and that doesn't always work so well. <laughs> Might feel good in the moment, not necessarily long-term. Right. <laughs> and so you, you talk about it and getting it right. And I, I love that you just, you know, name it and put some words around it. So can you just go ahead and dive in and tell us what yes. this is? So it, you know, it's so funny because the, um, the subtitle of the book, it sounds a little arrogant because the title of the book is parenting and the subtitle is getting it right. We have the little it in parent and kind of italicized. Um, and so let me start by explaining kind of where this idea originated and why it became so important to us. Um, I'm the middle of three kids. And while we, we kind of had what I would consider a normal home life, um, somehow we ended up really all liking each other as we got older. So we had all the normal sibling stuff, you know, growing up, all the, all the things of where I'm sure my parents thought we would never, you know, choose each other, much less, you know, I mean, even like each other necessarily. But um, as we hit our college years and kind of beyond that, the five of us as a family unit, we just loved being together. So when Andy and I started dating, this was something that he noticed. And over our years of dating, and then in those early marriage years before we had kids, he sort of had a front row seat to evaluate this dynamic in my family. And so it's kind of what he zeroed in on and said, you know what, when when we have a family down the road, this is the kind of family I hope we'll build. And to me, it just seemed normal. I kind of thought this is just the way most families worked. I didn't know it was necessarily um, not the norm. And that led us to realize that in our parenting journey, we never wanted to take our eye off the relationship prize because that idea of um, a family who all want to be together when they don't have to be together anymore was so attractive. So we never wanted to take our eyes off the relationship prize. We wanted to parent in such a way that when our kids launched out of our homes at the end of our parenting journey, all the relationships would be still strong and healthy. And so the way that we said it 
Um, we identified our it. So when we say, you know, getting it right, here's what we were talking about. We decided that our it was that we want kids who want to be with us and with each other when they no longer have to be. So that became our it. It's kind of what we parented toward. It was our North Star. And the danger of maybe not knowing what you're parenting toward, not identifying whatever your it is going to be, is that every parent is parenting in a direction, whether they've identified that direction or not. It might be an obedience direction. It might be an academic excellence direction. It might be a sports direction. It might be a Broadway direction. It might just be a don't embarrass me (laughs) direction, which I think we all kind of lean into sometimes. But if you don't choose your it ahead of time, it's likely you will parent in a direction that you would have not chosen had you taken the time to choose. So what we want to talk about in the book is, hey, here's, here's, you know, identify your it, whatever your it is. And we sort of propose, here's an it, that we have found on the other side of the parenting journey was definitely worth parenting toward. Defining your North Star, as you said. Yeah. Yes. So I think that this is so good. One of the things I highlighted was your children do not have the same relationship with you that you have with them. And I, I think that's, again, so simple, but so profound in that, you know, we think, from the parenting side or from the kids' side, this is the way it is. But you're coming at it from such different angles. And I think that, yeah, that's something that we just don't really think about and having that different perspective yet, you know, they might see it the same way and, and we might see it a different way. Yeah. I would love for you to unpack that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, what we're trying to do is prepare our kids for relational success for the rest of their lives. Yes. And we as parents kind of have a unique perspective because we've lived longer. Obviously we've made mistakes along the way. We've learned some stuff the hard way. We've learned some stuff the easy way. So the relationship that we have with our kids is not the same relationship that they're having with us. They're sort of, you know, and, and the same thing applies when you're in, you know, in a, in a professional world, you know, you <laughs> the same relationship with your boss that your boss has with you is sort of that same idea. So for us, um, as we're parenting our kids for relational success, we want to create a foundation for the rest of their lives. We all know that life is relationships. We can have great jobs. We can have plenty of money, material things. We can be still so incredibly unhappy. And you don't have to live too long before you begin to understand that there is a significant correlation between the health of our relationships, especially our primary relationships, and how happy and at peace we are in our everyday lives So from our perspective as parents, we kind of have to stay in our parent's seat. You know, we have to recognize that even through all the different seasons and stages of parenting, we're the parent. So how do we parent our kids with that goal of having relationship, um, having relationship in mind? And so because of that, it was really important to us to parent our kids in the direction of helping them understand how to honor other people Mm -hmm. that how to restore broken relationships because we all have a roller coaster of relationships throughout our lives. Um, Some of them can't be restored, but for the ones that can, we want our kids to understand how to do that because it sets them up to develop and maintain healthy relationships really, really for the rest of their lives. And when it came to doing the, you know, the parent job of disciplining our kids and helping them, you know, kind of learn, um, 
relationally what's important. We wanted our kids, we didn't want to just have a bunch of rules for our kids. I mean, we recognize parents have authorities, kids are typically under authority, but we just didn't want to hand them a whole bunch of rules. We wanted them to understand that on the other side of being dishonest to someone is a broken relationship. On the other side of being disrespectful to someone is a bruised relationship. On the other side of dishonoring someone, there's a relationship that takes a hit. So when we're parenting with the relationship in mind, we're helping our kids understand the importance of relationship restoration, relationship repair, sometimes even restitution, because these are long-term life skills that will serve them so well the rest of their lives because our lives are relationships. So as the parent, we have to stay in the parent seat. We have to be willing to kind of live with some tension sometimes when our, when our kids are um, at odds with, with us. But even in the midst of all of that, we're We're parenting with the relationship in mind. How do I love my child in this season of life so that we can get to the end of this parenting journey with our relationships intact? I love the story that you shared about, um, actually it was Andy's part sharing um, when Garrett punched the hole in the wall and he just let him have those feelings. And that's big. In that moment, I bet he would be like, I this sucks. You know, like I want to throw something to you, like (laughs) living in that tension, like letting him have those feelings. Yeah. Well, and part of staying in your parent seat is letting, you know, letting, not allowing your kids to pull you into an argument. And that's what had happened in that scenario that you just mentioned. Um, Our son was a teenager at the time. Obviously there was something that he wanted to do that Andy was saying no to. And so it appeared he was so angry with Andy, but what he was really angry with was no. It wasn't necessarily Andy. And Andy refused to get pulled into an argument. So Garrett, you know, took his irritation upstairs, punched a hole in the wall. He comes downstairs holding his hand and he said, dad, um, I'm so sorry. I'll I'll pay for it. I think I might've broken my hand. And Andy was like, okay, tell me what happened. So, you know, so he basically takes him upstairs, shows him the hole in the wall. And it was like, a sliver from, uh, from hitting the, the stud and it really would have broken his hand. His hand wasn't broken, but what Andy took away from that scenario, he said, you know what? We had had a very contentious few minutes. He goes upstairs, but he comes downstairs and he brings his potentially broken hand to me Mm. because I didn't get dragged into an argument with him. I didn't yell back. I stayed in my parent's seat. I decided to live with that tension I decided to not get drawn into an argument and it just set it up for our son to come back to him with, you know, this bruised hand going, dad, you know, what do I do? <laughs> Help me. And I love so, that. And I, it's I so important to remember. I was going to say, I didn't, my uh, old youngest daughter uh, and Garrett can be buddies. Like <laughs> all the passion, <laughs> all the passion, That's all right. the friends, as you said, too, a fun loving, great yeah. person. So I love it. Yeah. It's so funny. You know, one of our stories that we share in the book about him is um, there was a situation where he was super disrespectful to me when he was like 16 years old. So he was driving at the time and he, you know, was so angry and he had this outburst and he just drives away, which, you know, in our home was a huge no, no. One of the biggest rules we had that Andy had was your you don't disrespect mom. And so, um, this, you know, Andy gets home, he kind of hears the whole story 
and he decides, and this, and this is, it's, this is really kind of the hard part of parenting, especially when they're older, because you want to, um, dispense a, not a punishment. You want to help your kids understand restoration of rest of relationships. And so it takes a lot longer to maybe figure out what do we do? So there was this gap of time before Andy kind of let him know, you know, what the, what the thing was going to be that he was gonna have to do. But I, I'd say this all the time. This was Andy's finest parenting moment. He basically told our son, Hey, you've got to ask your mom out on a date, take her to a nice restaurant, look her in the eye and apologize for the disrespect. So he was like, oh my gosh, dad, just take my truck, you know, take my phone, just please just, you know, just take it, whatever. Because, um, you know, anytime we're restoring a broken relationship, anytime we're owning what we did, there's an element of humility. It is never comfortable. And so sure enough, though, he came downstairs and he said, hey, mom, would you be available to go to dinner with me tonight? And I said, sure. And so we get in his truck. He takes me to Macaroni Grill. We're sitting there, you know, dipping our bread in the olive oil, doing all things. I've got this snapshot in my head, Katie, of the moment. I can remember the shirt he was wearing. I can remember the booth. I could walk into that building and tell you what booth we were sitting in because it was just such a sweet time. So we're sitting there and he looks up and he goes, Mom, I am so sorry that I was so disrespectful to you. You do not deserve that. And I am just so sorry. I hope you can forgive me. And I was like, no, I'm still mad. So no, I did not. I mean, I was a puddle on the floor. Of course. And so it was the sweetest time and the relationship was restored. The relationship was restored. He's my son and I adore him no matter what. So the relationship for me was already restored, but that wasn't really the point. The point in that um, consequence was restoration of a relationship. And so fast forward to now, Danielle, his wife, they've been married about five years. Danielle was reading the manuscript of the book before it came out. And she said, oh my goodness, this is why he's so good at that. And I thought that is the bullseye on the target, that our parenting journey wasn't really just for that moment. It was for the rest of their lives. And this was something that, you know, he just learned from that instance and other ones that came before and after, obviously for all of our kids, he learned that in these situations, when I've hurt someone, how do I restore a relationship? And he knew how to do it. And his wife is benefiting from that now. So that was just kind of a, kind of a sweet story of, of what that looks like. I know, I know. I, I thought this, I, I had tears when Danielle said that. I was like, oh my goodness, that's what we were And the hard work, I'm thinking, you know, back to that moment, it would have been easier to take his truck, take his phone. So like, much easier, right? Katie. So much easier. Yeah. It takes so many more mental calories to, to think through um, a relationship restoration consequence rather than just a quick punishment. Because also punishment is easier because you're mad in the moment, yeah. you know? It's like, you know what? Just give me those truck keys. I mean, it'd be way easier to do that. And it right. just takes some time. The other thing is... When your kids are in these older seasons of life, it's less important for the consequences to be immediate. You know, when they're little, you need immediate consequences. But when they're older, real life consequences, there's always a delay. If you have a court date for some, you know, offense that you committed in the community, it's never the next day. It's always, you know, two months away or, you know, it could be even longer. So that's reality. You know, the, the realistic consequences of our actions are never immediate sometimes. They're delayed. So that's also a good little side lesson there for them. 
That is so encouraging too, though. Just having like taking a step back in that moment and choosing the the harder, but probably the more correct mm-hmm. decision. Because as you said, his wife is now reaping those benefits. Yeah. Their future children, yeah. and they're like, and so it goes, and so it goes because of one artist. Yeah. I'm a real, yeah. all the feels. That's right. <laughs> um, you choose to wrap up the book with something called the faith, the excuse me, the faith framework. What do you hope parents will take away from that chapter? Yeah, you know, um, I think one of the main things that we know, it, we recognize that there is a relationship that is more important than the parent-child relationship, and that's our children's relationship with their Heavenly Father. It's going to far outlast their relationship with us. So our ultimate goal with, you know, for our kids as it related to their faith and their spiritual formation was for them to develop a faith of their own, to own their faith, not a faith that was just, you know, copycat of mom and dad's or something that rested on tradition, but a real yeah. faith that matured as they matured. And we saw our part in their spiritual formation as parents who inspire and equip our kids, our children to trust God and follow Jesus. So through that chapter, that spiritual formation chapter, we talk about five things um, that we think contribute to that. But one of the primary things we did was we emphasized the importance of a personal relationship with God. And to that end, we prayed with our kids that God would show them his will for their lives, his personal will. We wanted our kids to understand that God really does have a plan for your life and you don't want to miss it. The richest, most joy-filled life is one where you are in the midst of God's will for your life. And um, Andy also talks a little bit about how parents can respond when their kids walk away from faith or when their, you know, their lifestyle is not what we hoped it would be, or their faith journey takes them somewhere else. Or, you know, we, we talk a little bit in the book about all, but the main thing for us was really to export to our kids a faith that they would own, that would be personal for them. And so we had all kinds of things we did along the way that we kind of talk about, but, but that was our ultimate goal for them to have that relationship with their heavenly father. I love your own children's review of the book. It was so funny. (laughs) All right. Um, And just transitioning to, you know, talking to young men and women might be listening to this podcast and having that relationship with their parents. Um, I guess if you could just tell us real quick what your three children are up to now. Um, by the yeah, way, I yeah. especially loved um, Allie's comment of how she said something about how the negative uh, stories were mostly about her brothers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So Allie, um, yeah, she gets off pretty, pretty easy on the book because <laughs> most of she was just an easy kid to raise really. They're just, all, yeah. That's just kind of the reality of it. Um, well, so Andrew is 30. He just got married in September. Timber to Anna. Andrew is a stand-up comedian. And we did not see that coming, Katie. Um, I've heard he, life. He's wonderful. Oh, I, it's so great. It's been so fun to watch this journey. But he was a finance major, had a great job out of college with a, a big company here in Atlanta and was a budget analyst and all that. And so there's this whole funny story about happened about, you know, kind of how this happened. But he is a stand-up comedian. He travels a lot. He does church stuff, but he does a lot of corporate stuff, conferences, all kinds of stuff. So um, that's been really interesting to watch. Uh, Garrett is 28. So Andrew's 30. Garrett's 28. He's married to Danielle and he's in marketing and lives here in the Atlanta area too. And actually Garrett and Danielle are living with us right now because they are building a house. They sold their house and there's this, you know, kind of six month gap of time. So we have them here and it has been so much fun. To, um, mm-hmm. So that's been great. 
Uh, and then Allie is 20. She just turned 27 this month and she is married to Clay. They're both in ministry. She also got her master's at DTS and Clay is wrapping up the, the master's of theology, which is a whole four year, you know, much harder with all the languages, you know, Hebrew and Greek. Um, so he's wrapping that up and is on staff with us as well. So, and they just gave us our first grandbaby. So oh, yay. we're um, super excited about that. We've got a little two month old little bundle of pink joy. <laughs> That's been great. That's been great. So that's where they all are now. Um, And we, you know, for now, we have them all in the Atlanta area, which is a huge, huge blessing. So it's been fun. Well, talking about, you know, having this relationship with your kids and and them wanting to hang out with you and vice versa as they're adults, I guess if you could just paint a picture for us a little bit, that might sound weird, but I talk with so many young women who are just have no idea what that even looks like yeah. to have a healthy relationship. It's it, there's, there's junk and there's, you know, what does it look like to go home for Christmas and people don't yell, mm-hmm. you know, for, right. for just a little healthy. And um, I'm sure you don't skip on rainbows yeah, every time right. you hang out, right. <laughs> but like just a little glimpse of, of what that might look like having that healthy relationship as they're adults. Yeah. That's such a good question. Such a good question. Let me start with what it's not. Um, I okay. think, an easy pushback to the idea of raising kids who want to be with you and each other, even when they don't have to be any longer. Um, Some people see that as like a recipe for codependency. And the answer is codependent people don't necessarily enjoy being together. They just can't not be together, you know, in an unhealthy way. So um, healthy is when they're truly choosing it. And my favorite example of what this looked like happened fairly recently. Um, in the early process of writing this book, a team of people from who were involved with the publishing and the development of the book decided to take all three of our kids without us and without their spouses out to dinner to just talk about, you know, real life and growing up in the Stanley home and, you know, all that. And just to not really to make sure we're not lying in the book about the stories, but, you know, just to get a kind of peek behind the curtain, like you said earlier, kind of peek behind the curtain to see what it was really like. Um, so they all had a great time. They had a nice dinner with them, with this team. And then when it was time to go, the team left, but our three kids were standing outside the restaurant and they decided they weren't really ready to part ways yet. So they walked down, it was at Avalon, which is the shopping area in Atlanta. They walked down to Cafe Intermezzo, which is a dessert place. And they just got a table and sat there for another hour and a half because it was so Mm -hmm. rare for the three of them to just be together without all the rest of us around. So when I think about that, I think, gosh, what it looks like to be in this season of life is to watch your children choose you and choose each other. And Mm -hmm. My thought about that is that that's a little microcosm of the of the image of God in us. Because if you follow Jesus through the New Testament, almost everything he talks about is relational. It's about people, um, you know, loving their neighbor as themselves. It's about um, serving each other. It's about um, being humble with each other. It's about you know, the, the horizontal relationships, not just the vertical relationship with God, but the horizontal relationships with each other. And I thought, gosh, this is the joy that I feel when I watch my children choose each other and serve each other and show up for each other. There is nothing like that as a mom. And that I think is the image of God in us. And so to answer your question, it is not skipping on rainbows all the time. It is not full of joy all the time, like the story I just shared, but it really is. There is a 
there's a richness to relationships when people are choosing each other and showing up for each other. Um, yeah. So the practical way that that looks for us is often just dinner time. You know, we made dinner time a big deal when our kids were growing up. And even now, since they're all in the same, you know, general Atlanta area, we will meet at a restaurant once a month, you know, just all of us together and, and just reconnect and, and all that. We do some little bit of traveling together here and there, which is fun, but um, it just, you know, it's just healthy. It just is um, people choosing each other. That's what it looks like. Well, there's magic around sharing a table together, breaking bread. There, there's all, yeah, people have written. Yes, there's a that. connection that happens because there aren't really interruptions in that little slice of time. Yeah. Rarely, rarely interruptions. That's so good. Do you know that you can book a call with me? Yep, just you and me. We can talk about boys or faith or finding your calling or what you want to be when you grow up or anything in between. My passion, as you know from this podcast, is to be who I needed when I was younger. And I book online mentoring calls all throughout the week. I have a calendar where you pick a time that works for you. And we just set a phone call, date, and make it happen. Usually I'm walking around my neighborhood. You can do whatever you want. But we're going to just get to all the good stuff. Sometimes all you need is an unbiased third party who has your best interest at heart. I want to be your adopted mom, cool aunt, best friend, whatever you want to call me, but let's get real. Let's get honest. I would love to be your mentor. Check all the information at katiebulmer.life. Um, as I said at the beginning, you know, I once pulled my audience, like what topics would you want to hear more about? And as I said, having that relationship with your parents as you become an adult, because there's no like threshold, you know, there's no like, okay, now you're this age and therefore this happens. Right. And as you've written this book, kind of like talking to the young adults specifically, like how can they, from their perspective, maybe they, they, there is brokenness or maybe there's healthy, just steps they can take to mend a relationship with their parents. If it's not there, um, as you said, the relationship is everything. And even there's no expiration date to having that healed or having a better, we could all use better relationships, you know? So having that better relationship with your parents, maybe just some, some words for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, we, you know, we made, we've made a big deal about dinner around the table. So, you know, through every season of life and that's something that's continued. I think another thing that characterizes our relationships is that we all celebrate each other, not just birthdays, but successes and wins and all of that. And it is never too late to dip into that kind of thing with our, you know, even if we don't, if we we have a little bit of a fractured relationship, some of the best ways that I think we can bridge um, gaps relationally is just paying attention to each other, celebrating what's happening in somebody else's life, birthdays, successes, wins. We have a family text stream with all eight of us, which I think a lot of families have, but it's pretty active. You know, we're announcing things, we're celebrating things, we're asking for prayer, we're posting funny stuff that we think somebody would enjoy. And it just keeps us connected, even if we're not seeing each other a lot. And I think Things like that little practical, you know, send your mom something that you know that she would think was funny or if she, you know, whatever it is she's interested in, you know, send her something. If she loves to bake, you know, and you run into a recipe, say, mom, I saw this. It made me think of you. Thought you might enjoy it. Any little things where we can bridge those gaps between us um, relationally, I think are so great. If I had to just pick three things, though, that I think would contribute, regardless of what the past looked like, um, I think the first thing would be letting a counselor help you work through any past hurts or difficulties or disappointments that could hinder that adult relationship, because that's a real thing. There's stuff lodged in our own hearts and probably stuff lodged in theirs, but we can't control that. 
that maybe we need somebody walking alongside with that, you know, alongside us, helping us, helping us sort through. Um, the second thing, looking for ways to invest time in each other. Um, when I think about time and, and we talk about this a little in the book about schedule survival in our parenting, but it really kind of translates to this season too. let your calendar be your ally because our calendars dictate what we actually do. Right. And we're the ones that put the things on the calendar. So calendar each other being intentional um, with maybe making some space to bridge some gaps with your with your parents. And then the third thing, move in their direction, mutually, you know, get interested in what interests them. I talk about that in the coaching chapter of the book with connecting with our teenagers, but it really is a life principle. If there's somebody we want to build a relationship with, we get interested in what interests them. I think that, that just moving in their direction is, can be a huge thing too, that could help bridge those gaps. That's so powerful. I was talking with a young lady who had a very strained relationship with her father and only talked about, you know, business type communications for, for years. Mm-hmm. And he was very interested in cars and she didn't care a thing about cars, right. but started to learn a little bit. And that was this huge, like breaking down brick walls of yeah. communication. Yeah. It just, it's so simple, but so yes. changed. Sometimes <laughs> yes. it's way simpler than we think it's going to be yeah. and moving in their direction you know, there's only one thing that can happen with walls when we move in their direction and that's, they're just going to kind of come down or at least soften a little bit. So everybody responds well to somebody being interested, truly interested in what interests them. Yeah. That's so good. Um, Okay. So in the book, you talked about how you mentioned to cultivate an environment that will encourage your kids to talk to you. Do you think this goes both ways in the child parent relationship? Like um, what are some tips, maybe some 20 somethings can use to cultivate conversation with your parents? You talked about that, but maybe like just environment, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's so funny because I had not thought about any of this until, until you sent me some of these questions oh, to think about. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this really does work in two directions. It's not one directional parent to child, um, especially when everybody's, you know, the same height. Everybody's <laughs> adults now. Um, so I do think that relationships grow when we know each other better. And in the book, we talk about being a student of your kids because we can just love people better when we know them. Yeah. And, you know, it's, fortunate for us, we live in this day and age of Enneagram and temperament tests and love languages. I mean, so many tools that we can use to understand our kids better. But the flip side is so many tools that we can use to to understand our parents better, anybody, any relationships in our lives about, I guess maybe it was about four, four years or so ago, um, our publishing team helped a lady named Kathleen Edelman launch a book called um, I Said This, You Heard That. Mm-hmm. And it's a book about the four temperaments. And inside the book, there's a test that um, you can take to understand what your temperament is of the four. It's kind of like the old DISC test, you know, the yeah. D-I-S-C, same idea because it's temperament. And so for vacation that year that that book came out, my parents rent a house in Hilton Head for our entire family, 20 of us. And we go every May for um, Memorial Day weekend. And so I got 20 books and they're just these paperback kind of workbook kind of things. So I bought 20 of them. And for our activity one night, we all took the temperament test and then read about our personalities and each other's personalities. So we did it early in the week and the rest of the week was so interesting because 
we were all kind of trying to relate to someone based on their temperament. And it was amazing, you know, for two very opposite people in the same family who normally, you know, they orbit the same, you know, house for the whole vacation. It just gave them a bridge to actually have a conversation and understand each other better. The other thing, because we always like to do these you know, wacky activities on vacation. There was one year my sister decided that everybody's going to do a TED talk, like a, you know, five minute, five to eight minute TED talk. And we would take a couple nights to get every, get it, everybody through it. And just about anything you're interested in. And so by the time we got through everybody, like one of my nieces, um, talked about fashion because she was so into fashion. She was in college and she was so into fashion. My dad talked about patriotism. He's a Lieutenant Colonel in the Marine Corps. He talked about patriotism. Um, My mom told their story of meeting each other and kind of pulled a little principle out of that and made her Ted talk. We all just kind of did our different things. And it was, oh, and then one of my nephews talked about um, not skateboarding, but it was some other kind of thing, sort of like a skateboard. He was talking about that. At, at the end of the week, we all knew each other better. We had more fodder for great conversation with each other at a deeper level of what they're interested in. So all that, you know, to say the more we know each other, the deeper our relationships can go. So I think being a student of your parents, being a student of your siblings, being a student of the people in your life, it just deepens relationships, even difficult relationships. And, and it may be the only yeah. avenue in a difficult relationship. I'm stealing that TED Talk idea. I love that. Yeah. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? It was so much fun to just see what everybody was really, truly interested in at their heart level and wanted to talk about. Especially on vacation. I'm even thinking about like my four-year-old niece. She'd go up there and talk about mermaids, but like, it would be so fun. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. And then everybody in your family knows, you know what, if we want to relate to her, I'm going to pick up a little mermaid next time I see one in the store, you know? And so just so many little fun things that can come. I love that so much. Um, And what you said is so true because I, when I learned my brother was an Enneagram four, I felt like this veil came off. It was like, Uh Oh, now I get you. (laughs) Fours are hard to understand. But I was like, okay, now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I get you now. Yeah, that's, it is great. And it's great that we have these tools now. So, well, tell us about when the book comes out, where we can find it, all the good stuff that's coming around beside it. Yeah, it launched day before yesterday. So it's available now. It was kind of, you know, kind of a, I don't know. It's a little bit like a pregnancy, maybe <laughs> birthing a book. Um, but it launched uh, just a couple days ago. It's out now on Amazon and really wherever else people like to buy books. I love it. I love you and your husband's ministry. And you, I mean, I'm sure you've been told us before, but truly so fun. clear, effective, encouraging communicators. You know, people can say the same thing in 300 pages that y'all can say in three. That is just, it's, it's very, I love what you guys are doing. So thank you for all that you do. <laughs> Uh, but before we let you go, we have to ask the classic question on the Truth for Your Twenties podcast, and that is: If you could have coffee with your twenty-year-old self, what would you say? I love this question. There's so many things I think I would correct, but if I had to pick one, <laughs> um, I am naturally wired and place a high value on efficiency and progress. I went to Georgia Tech, you know, kind of got little engineering stuff going on. So I love efficiency. I love progress, and I learned the. I have learned the hard way. And it's taken me a really long time, but uh, you know, I, certain seasons I would get it and certain seasons I wouldn't. I learned the hard way that efficiency in relationship is not the goal. Connection 
is the goal. And Mm -hmm. sometimes those two things work completely against each other, or at least feel like they do. Efficiency kind of gets the job done, doesn't build a relationship, and it never helps me connect with people that I love. So I think what I would tell my or yet my 20 year old self is to guard against choosing efficiency over connection with the people mm. you care about. It's just not worth what you lose. And later is longer. You want, you know, it's not worth what you, what you lose later and later is longer. So, um, you know, guard against choosing efficiency over connection, just for my wiring, my personality. That's what I would tell me. What's your Enneagram number? I'm a one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram one. I've got all my ducks in a row most of the time, but that doesn't yeah. necessarily always serve me best. So there are, there's always getting bad to these numbers. Yes. No, I think that's why well, I'm a three. And so I connected with what you were saying, because I, I want to get it all done. My, my daughter's yeah, a gotta... three. My daughter, my, both of my daughters-in-law are threes too. So threes are great. Yes. They all have their pluses and minuses, I suppose. <laughs> well, what a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for being here. And I can't wait to share this episode. Thank you so much, Katie. If you enjoyed this episode, I would enjoy you sharing it with a friend. If you take a screenshot and share it on your social, make sure you give me a tag at Katie Bulmer Life, and I will definitely make sure I respond. And thank you so much for sharing the love. Hey, and if you're new to the podcast, make sure you scroll back. We have over a hundred episodes interviewing experts and 20 somethings and everyone in between tackling all the hottest topics you wish you knew, but maybe just don't. This is called the Truth for Your 20s podcast, and I'm so thankful that you're here.